eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Now let's go to the Rolling Flint Hills, home of the Cats and Dogs Studio. Here's your host, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the Power Cap Podcast. We're sponsored by Bridge Wholesale Liquor. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson in the Cats and Dogs studio and sandwiched in the middle like a lovely little treat right here on YouTube is Ryan Gilbert. He just got off work, so he probably smells of, oh, it's going to play the game, huh? Uh, it's probably, I swear I turned that off. It, he probably smells like uh, tacos and regrets. Tacos and tequila. Oh, that's good. That's that's on brand because we're sponsored by a liquor store. If you haven't been to the fridge recently, go into the fridge. Here's something really cool about the fridge. They get new products all the time and people buy old products and then they get they get fresh. They get fresh from their their vineyards of whiskey trees and vodka bushes right there. It's, it's somewhere behind the fridge. Fridge wholesale liquor in the corner of this and that. That was a loud swallow by Ryan Gilbert. Congratulations. Did you hear that? Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. I apologize. Yes. Uh, but make sure you go check out the fridge. Uh, boys, what a, what a game. I mean, I honestly, again, proving why I should never sports bet. I would have bet everything Kansas was going to beat Kansas State. On Monday, just because of the way the teams had been playing. And I know better than that, but I didn't see that coming. And let's be honest, I feel like K-State left a lot out on the court that they could have capitalized on and won by a bigger margin, but they didn't. And they still got the win in overtime. It was pretty cool. There's a lot of doom going on. It was a great environment. Uh, Zach, you got the reading duties today? I do. Okay. Let's go to your questions from Wabash Station. And, of course, Everyone gets to watch or listen to the podcast, but to ask the questions, you've got to be a VIP over at Go Powercat. I think we have a special rolling right now. Go check that out. Head on over to gopowercat.com. Check out our special. It'll make you happy. It'll give you warm fuzzies if you're not a subscriber. And also give you a good deal. Zach, take it away. From El Camino Cat, 11 consecutive overtime wins for Coach Tang's Cats. How 
Why? It's not as good as Florida State. I just saw that stat. They got 14 going right now. Wow. I mean, no one's even close to those two schools. And it's still going. It says current. Um, but uh, I don't understand it. I, I would just like to say, one, once again on Monday night, I did the work of all of us olds who need their bed, need their sleep, and told Jerome Tang, could you get your work done in 40 minutes and not need the extra five? Could you stop doing this? It's past my bedtime. And whatever you're doing in that final five, just do that in the final five of the regular game. It's pretty remarkable. It's incredible. Gil's, um, I never felt confident about K-State winning that game until it went to overtime. It's the damnedest thing. It's true, yeah. I mean, it's... uh... It's no fluke. It is. It's you know. I think the answer to your to the question here is five to grind. Like that's what they practice every day. Uh, the last five minute situations they simulate late game scenarios, and so I think that um, that's certainly it, it's 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 been a big big help for K State in these overtime games without a doubt. But yeah, I mean, once it goes to overtime, you're thinking, okay. I mean, that's I was one of my buddies had a parlay on the game and. I think he had K-State money line and something else. But, you know, once it goes overtime, we're like, okay, the money line is going to be good. Now we just need this guy to grab a rebound or something. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's really tough to explain. But I think five to grind, man. I think, I mean, Naquan Tomlin even put on his Instagram story after the win, five to grind. That's all he said. So I think it's uh, – that's your answer, five to grind. Okay. Well, good. That sums up your sex life too. Zach? <laughs> well, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, I bet so. you did. <laughs> Uh, what? Move on. Yeah, yeah go you ahead, got baby. you good. Okay. okay. <laughs> From Rumble Powercat, welcome. Hey. Did the win against KU save the season? Mm-hmm. Look, there was other avenues to quote save the season. Yeah. This wasn't the only way to do it, and it's rescued in the moment. If you know what I mean. Yeah, the moment can change so quickly, as Monday night proved. So go to BYU. If you win that game, you really have changed your season around because you get to come home and play a game. But they go out there and lose, and I'll just say this. They can't lose at home again. They absolutely cannot lose at home again. If they accomplish that, they're going to be at 500. So um, in some ways it did because it got them back to the balance of they've given one away at home and stolen one on the road. They get another one or two on the road, uh, I, I don't see how they're not an NCAA tournament team. And that's the other portion of this. Saving the season as in getting to that 9-9 nine and nine that we feel like and Jerome Tang feels like is the floor for getting into the NCAA tournament. I mean, you you got to get past that to kind of guarantee you to be in. If you're in the Big 12 and you go 9-9, nine nine, you're going to be in. But more than that, beating a team that was ranked number four helps all of uh, that resume. It just boosts everything. More so than if you, you know, went up BYU and went here and there and you kind of piece things together by being all the mid-level teams, which are top 25 teams of this conference. Uh, but still, having that statement went over Kansas really helps your resume. With uh, you mentioned the resume, that's huge to beat KU. Um, I think if K-State gets to nine wins now, you know, 100%, that's good. It's going to be good enough, like Jerome Tang has been saying. But if you don't beat KU and your wins are only to like Cincinnati coming up and West Virginia here at home in Bramlage, if those are your wins and you get to nine wins the easy way, mm-hmm. maybe that's not going to be enough to get you in. But now that you've beaten the number four team in the country, um, I think that alone 
plus nine, you know, get to getting to nine is going to be good. So that did this win. It, it, it certainly did turn the season around. Now, obviously, there is still a latter portion of Big 12 play to go. This win is not going to mean anything if you go out and lose to BYU on Saturday. And it's not going to mean anything because you have a whole week off. So K-State's going to, you know, mentally, they're going to have one win in, in basically like a week and a half, right? So yeah. the losing streak was alarming. And I'm, I think we're all glad it's over as dude is hopping up on the couch. I like to see you, dude. Um, but I don't want to say that the win doesn't mean anything, but... It gets negated if you get follow-up and steal a road game at BYU. Fitz, you mentioned that K-State has to protect its home court. I agree, yes. But if you can steal some road games, then you do give yourself that sort of wiggle room um, at home to maybe drop a game that you shouldn't be losing. But, I mean, the line of this game, I think it closed at three, uh, two and a half, three and a half points, right? It just yeah. goes to show you that like you are kind of expected – to win your games at home, regardless of who you're playing. Same thing happened with KU. They were actually underdogs, and they went out and destroyed Houston at home on Saturday. And so you've got to protect your home court. And the question, you know, does this win turn the season around? Yes, it does, but it doesn't unless you don't protect your home court. Stealing a a victory on the road, uh, one or two victories away from home is going to be big as well. So, uh, you know, you've got a full five days of rest uh, heading into BYU after you had maybe a, a quick walkthrough uh, prior to KU because that was a quick 48-hour turnaround, right? So, um, you know, it's obviously a big win for Kansas State. Can't say enough about it. I'm sure we got some more questions with, with the KU game, but um, it's not going to mean anything if this is the high point of your season. You've got to keep working and mm-hmm. treat it like any other game. You know, Tang always talks about one-game seasons, win or lose. You flush it, you move on, put it in a box, and prepare for the next game. So that's what K-State has to do for the next yeah. what, eight more games, right? For the next yeah. eight games of conference play, got to lock in. And I know this is not the standard that Jerome Tang wants for his program, but all you've got to do is win four games. That's all you need to do. True. And I, I've been looking at this. I mentioned this to Fitz yesterday when we were leaving football media. But you go back to last year's schedule, January 24th, Year to the day, play at Iowa State, you lose. K-State was 6-1 and one going into that game. This year, K-State was 4-1 and one going into that game. 6-2, and 4-2. and two. Obviously, this year, K-State goes on that slide. But you got to remember last year, they play Florida at home, SEC Challenge. They win that game, yes. It's a little win, but it's not a conference win. But you go three straight conference losses. You go at Iowa State, at KU, at, and Texas at home. You drop those three. You can draw a lot of parallels there. The Texas games, the OU yeah. game, you know, at KU is at Houston. You know, there's a lot of parallels that you can make to last year's season and how it stacked up. And this slide, I think if KU loses or if K-State loses to KU on Monday, yes, I think everybody's pushing the panic button. But K-State last year went one and six over that January 24th to February 14th schedule there. If K-State can go and get a win at BYU on Saturday. Yeah, the the record's a little different, you know, just the way the the January kind of made up, but you're almost at the same point as as what you were last year. Then K-State went on a great run. Yes, K-State was ranked. They were in the top five at one point last year. It's a different team, different situation. But I think that there's a lot of parallels that you can make. They were able to turn it around after this point last year, having a slide late January, early February, this KU win might galvanize them going forward through the rest of conference play. Plus, they get a bye week, which is really rare 
that they get to catch their legs, catch their breath. You know, they get to gear up for this last part of the season. There's winnable games on the schedule for sure. You go to Cincinnati there, you know, you might be able to pick off a road win there. You might be able to go to Texas and get a road win. So I think that there's a lot of winnable games once you get through this brutal stretch, kind of like what we talked about. But if you can go to BYU and get a win, things are looking up yeah, for this season. Absolutely. Absolutely. For all of you watching on YouTube, this is what we've got going here. Uh, I thought I had to do the stage. We got to hold on. It did a wrong thing here. Um, and now, but yeah, you can see dude over there on the couch, just hanging out. And Daphne, uh, you can see what I'm doing while everyone's answering questions. I'm scratching a dog head. A I've never seen him head. do that with the pillow. Um, it's kind of sad. Yeah, dude, that's pathetic, man. Have some. Are you sad? <laughs> Are you sad Gills isn't here? Is that what? Oh, okay. Yeah, I would miss me too. Come on, now. I know. Okay, let's remove the studio and get back to business here. Next question, last though. Year, last year, oh. what happened when K State was in that funk? Did somebody tweet something out that K State should switch something up with its team and Jerome Tang? Uh, like, I don't remember that. Somebody might no, have no, suggested. There's no, nothing there. There's nothing. A starting lineup nothing. change. Uh, there, nobody suggested any kind of changes. I don't think you suggested to put Colbert in the starting lineup, though. Did you? Did you I didn't that? suggest it, but my goodness, I don't think we have a question about Colbert. Can we just he's been awesome. Um, I know he didn't score any points against KU, but um I I was not happy when I saw Will McNair go out for K State uh, in overtime. I was I would have much rather have seen Jerome Colbert. Now I get it. Um he's not ready to play like 30 minutes a game. He's he's just not physically like conditioned to do that, but I mean, he only played 16 minutes against KU guys. I think Jerome Colbert's stock is rising. Yep. Um, the first defensive possession <clears throat> of the game, I, I plan on breaking this down in the film study, but it was huge for Jerome Colbert just to get a block against Hunter Dickinson just to set the tone and be like, yeah, I can hang with you, man. I am, you know, I don't care that I, this is my second career start. Um, Jerome Colbert was awesome against KU. Um, his plus minus was through the roof. And Will McNair, I don't want to pick on McNair, but his, his plus minus was like, minus 15 so i didn't i didn't call for this change to the starting five but i love gerald colbert in there at the five spot he has been great for k-state over the last two games he's got some skill sets that are beginning to come out uh you know i i think they're beginning to find his upside it's beginning to develop now you know i'm not a big fan of the over under the plus minus um on the stat sheets and that's a re- uh that's a reflection of did your team outscore or get outscored while you were on the court? And there's a lot of so many variables in there. I talked to Tang about it after the game and he said, look, this is, this is something we use over the course of the season. This is something we look at with certain lineups and was the lineup not functioning well, or did we not give them what they needed from the bench in terms of play calls and whatever. Jarrell Colbert played 16 minutes. He was plus 18 in those 16 minutes that is a being plus 18 is remarkable in in a five point win uh but doing that in fewer minutes than what you were plus is incredible and i also told told coach tang that let's be honest here i'm a little surprised you scored 18 points in 16 minutes um (laughs) he had proving what a good duty is he laughed about that but yeah i mean that's a that's incredible that is impacting the game uh, and while I'm not a fan of that, after watching the game and then looking at that, I get it. I thought K-State was better when he was on the court, and I think that 
flushes it out. We'll see if that has any reflection on what's going forward. And I thought Will <clears throat> Will McNair was pretty good. I mean, having his big body to defend uh, was helpful. Uh, he wasn't great, uh, but he was in there just absolutely battling. Um, and, you know, he is what he is. He can score around the rim a little bit. Uh, but I thought, uh, I thought Colbert was the better of the bigs. Next question is from MN Wildcat One. Welcome. Halfway through the basketball season, does K State win nine conference games to get to the NCAA tournament? I'm not ready to say yes. Um, uh, look, the the win was huge. It was amazing on Monday. It was incredible environment, incredible kind of reset moment. Uh, but reset for how long? They they were coming off a four game skid, and for me, it wasn't about the results as much as it was about the effort and the focus and the attention to detail. I thought their attention to detail against Kansas was really good. Still had 16 turnovers. So there's just, there's area for improvement there. Um, Gills, I thought the biggest thing to come out of that, that could fuel them forward was Tyler Perry hit two, if not three of his three pointers running, you know, the offense and catching a ball catching and shooting you're not dribbling and not just uh, i'm going to put this one up catching it in a rhythm and shooting and i think k-state has to find ways to do that more often if that's what day day aims trying to run the point in the half court i understand their hesitation he's still turnover prone and you're trying to stop the turnovers but i think he's a better creator he keeps his head up and looks for people and and you know i i can see them with an opportunity to almost do a jacob poland You've got the ball this possession because we're running a play for Tyler coming off some screens and catching at the three-point line. I think it's a good move for him. And, yeah, if they start to do that, uh, they're going to cruise to nine wins in this conference and probably passed. Yeah, I think the offense was good against KU with more movement and stuff, more screens, more action. Um, ball, The ball sitting in you know guys' hands, just generally speaking, is not, <clears throat> not going to be no. – resulting in it can maybe result in points but it's not going to result in good looks at the at the at the rim and so i think i think monday was a good step in the right direction uh for that offense and yeah you've got to get excuse me guys you've got to get you got to get perry going you got to get him cooking you got to right. you got to do what get him to do what he did on monday night in the second half um in the last few minutes of that first half you need that for 40 minutes how many times have we said that this season guys we've it yeah. seems like every week you know, Tyler Perry is dormant for the first half and then comes alive in the second half. So uh, I, I think the biggest thing with K-State, you know, making the NCAA tournament, winning nine games, Zach, I think you you said it best with K-State last season kind of doing this same sort of thing where they kind of, I don't want to say mess around in Big 12 play, but, you know, they go on a losing streak and, you know, fans are concerned. Okay, what's going on here? K-State at this very moment is still not, there's there's work to do for that NCAA tournament resume. There, yeah. are, I don't even I think they're not even a next four team out. There is work to do. That being said, um, I think that you look at what happened last year, and Tang is always preaching peaking at the right time. Um, I I don't know if this is you know game one of this you know steep upward you know like peak that we're about to see from Kansas State, but certainly uh, I think that this is going to be you know, maybe they win two and lose one, win one, lose one. But I think you're gradually going to see this team start to to rise up now after this win. I think that that Oklahoma State loss, we're yeah. going to look back at the season, whatever happens 
um, in postseason play. We're going to say that was the lowest point of the season. You might have a frustrating loss here moving forward, but um, I think K-State gets to nine wins just based off of what we saw last year. The trajectory that that team went on seems like a very similar path that we're on right now. Um, and K-State, <clears throat> you know, this is kind of the time last year they kind of kicked it into that next gear because um, these are the games that really do start to matter more and you don't want to peak too early. I know I've talked about this a lot on here, the USC loss to open up the season. You know, a lot of these games in the non-conference was not necessarily about winning. It was about finding stuff out about your team. Um, I think, a you know, a similar analogy is the, is the, is the sword, right, that Jerome Tang has, and they're forging it, and it's getting sharper and sharper, right? And now you know, you know how to do that. You know how to get it to be the sharpest that it can be. So it's coming along. It's coming together. And so that's why I, I believe KC will get to nine wins and get in at least nine wins. And so I think if you're drum tang or whatever, you want to get to a point where, you know, you're like eight and five in the big 12 and you're saying, screw nine wins. Like yeah. let's, let's win 11. Right. I mean, yeah. so that's, I think that's going to, that's going to be the goal for Kansas state. If you can find a, a way to win a, win a few more games here than these next couple of weeks, don't go for nine, you know, go for a, a five seed and try to get somewhere closer to home. And, you know, when that stuff comes around in March madness, you know, help out who, you know, your seeding rather than if you're going to make it, I think that's the next step for this K state team. And they're certainly capable of getting there. Um, if they can win some games. K state fell to seven and six last year. That was their low point in conference play. K state goes two and one, the next two games, next three games at BYU TCU at home at Texas. They are seven and six, and I think that two and one over the next three games. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, no. but I think it's realistic. I but, think that you. I think there's an expectation that you can go and win one of these two next two road games and beat TCU at home. So we're in the seven game stretch that I talked about many times. So in some ways, it's an eight game stretch if you throw that Texas game in. But let's do the seven game stretch. They're they're one and four. I said, to win two games, you're going to be 500 coming out of this. So if they can steal a win at BYU or against a really good TCU team uh, next week on in Bramage Coliseum, they're going to be there. But if they then, you know, if you add in that Texas game to an, you know, be an eighth one, if you get three wins out of those eight games, you're, you're above 500. I mean, you're you're seven and six. You're in good shape as you come down the home stretch and. Um, because the home stretch isn't easy. I mean, you got to go to Kansas and just this conference. It, Oklahoma State was the easy games. That's it. I mean, West Virginia's coming in. Maybe that can be considered easy, but Josh Eilert's kind of got them playing a little bit better. But uh, when, when you have to scrap out a home win and you lose on the road to Oklahoma State, you've dug yourself a hole that you got to earn your way out of, and that's where K-State's sitting right now. Last question in the first half is from Itame Bibi. What is your prediction for the Wildcats seed in the Big 12 tournament? Well, I haven't even thought about that. I, I think they'll they'll be in that seven to nine range, seven to ten range. Day two. Yeah. The bracket is wild. I mean, there's a whole nother day of stuff going on, basically. So it's uh there's gonna be such good teams in the middle of that bracket. I mean, this uh, this thing could be an absolute zoo. The the Big Twelve tournament, I can't wait for the fans of the new schools to show up and find out why K 
Kansas City is cool. Look, I you know me, I'm all in on Vegas. They if eventually they want to move it there. I'm not going to complain, but Kansas City and basketball is special. And, <clears throat> and uh, I they don't understand that. But so let's let's you know keep bringing these teams in and and see where we're at with this and uh it could be an absolute zoo in Kansas City. It's going to be fun. K-State's currently 8. Yeah. So well, maybe they could get up to 6 if they win, you know, win, but again, trying to predict that without even looking at the schedules of the other teams or having any clue what to do. Hell, hell, if you can look at the schedule and have no clue how those games will come out, I mean, yeah, if they can get up in there, but uh, it's it's amazing. It really is. This conference, I, I think now it's going to take uh, five win, five losses will win you the conference. Six might do it too. Six losses in conference might win the Big 12. Winning two-thirds of your games will be a remarkable statement on how good you are. Enough said. So I think Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and UCF, I'm pretty confident in saying K-State is going to finish up above them. But other than that, um, there's no there are zero locks. And so I think I'll give one team in there that K-State will finish above. So I'll go 10. I think K-State's a 10 seed, which I know is probably lower than what you might think. And especially after what we've just, you know, hyped this team up and all that. But um, the Big 12 is good, obviously, and it's going to be tough to to compete. But again, you want to get to a point where that Big 12 tournament doesn't necessarily matter and you can afford to, to drop a game. Like last year, K-State got, and I don't want to say embarrassed, but TCU handled Kansas State and Kansas yep. City. It was a quick one-game trip for the Wildcats. Um, and so you don't have momentum going into March Madness, but <laughs> K-State proved that that didn't matter last year. So you want to get to a point like it was last season. Okay, you lose to TCU, brush it off, didn't hurt the resume too much, you're going to be good to go. True. That's it for the first half of the Pyrocat Questions podcast. We hope you're going to stick around. I don't know if you will. Maybe, maybe you'll be like, dude, you're like, I need a nap. But we'll be back here talking about sports right after this short break. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Please visit the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, located at the corner of Claflin and Westport Road in Manhattan, Kansas. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the show. Let's return to the Cats and Dogs studio. Welcome back to the Powercat podcast tim fitzgerald zach carlson here in the cats and dogs studio and sandwiched in the middle is ryan gilbert from the secret aggieville studio um uh, i'm never going to say where he lives because um it's for your safety it's for viewer safety that i don't let you know more details on where the the hidden studio is at there might be a conspiracy that go power cat bought back its old aggieville office and that's where i'm at yes that's where i'm living storage room Yep. Yeah, that uh yeah, we we should run out the uh haunted uh upstairs for you. Uh that uh the the old projector room on, at the old Go Power Cat headquarters in Aggieville. 
gave you the worst creeps ever. It was just creepy up there. Footsteps at night. Has the Aggieville Business Association had any run-ins with you? Have they said? Have they I don't told know. us? Have we have not inquired? No, no. I'm uh, I'm not in Aggieville uh, very often, and if I am, uh, I go to see the guy that's in the middle of the screen, usually when he's working, and uh, or I go with you guys for dinner after a show or something. Uh, and let's be honest, I'm not thinking about anything else when Ryan Gilbert's my bartender. All my focus is on him because <laughs> he's special. On with your questions from Wild Bass Station. We're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you go check them out whenever you're in town. Great people, great products, great prices. Uh, I love it over at The Fridge. I'm just going to call it my second home, even though I don't drink much anymore. I just go there and hang out and maybe buy some orange juice. On with the podcast. Here's Zach Carlson with more of the questions from Wild Bass Station. From MomoCat, is there any way to limit turnovers, or are we just going to have to accept that that is what they are going to do? Gills, you take this one. I'm, I'm interested in your answer. <clears throat> yeah, I, I completely think that Jerome Tang and his staff have just accepted it, which yep. in our mind, like to us, I think that's that, that's unacceptable. But for them, it's just like there's – it's just part of the reality of who this team is. They're going to take their chances, um, and it's going to be sloppy. I know that – like Fran Fraschilla tweeted this out during the game on Monday that K-State's passing vision is very poor, not only with making, you know, just poor passes, but also, you know, not passing the ball on a pick and roll and missing open guys. Um, I think that's part of it. But when you don't have a true point guard on your team, it makes sense, right? So, but no, I think K-State's just living, they're just going to live with it. And I know that's not uh, something that you should just yeah. accept, but I, I truly do think that they're just kind of accepting it because they they have won games with, you know, they had 16 against KU, right? They're winning games despite the turnovers. Now, I'm sure they want to get this number down, but I'm going to be quite honest with you guys. I think offensive rebounding and I think getting to the free throw line and also limiting fouling on defense, I think that that is the biggest um, area for Kansas State in, the, in their stat, in their mind, not for us. I'm not saying this is what they need to do. In their minds, that's what's yeah. most important to them is getting better in those areas, fouling, rebounding, um, and and uh, getting the free throw line, right? Yeah. Not turnovers, which I think is crazy to say when they are dead last in the Big 12 at turning the ball over. It's I forget. It's like 26% of all possessions for this K-State team and without getting a shot up, which is a turnover. So it's, it's crazy to think that you can win games like that, but they are. I don't know. I can't explain that, but they are. So One in four trips are wasted. No. Waste. Yeah. Are wasted. Garbage. Now, uh, here's my thoughts. First of all, Fran Fischel has nailed it. Tyler mm -hmm. Perry's court vision is horrible. It's horrendous. I, I He never looks at the guy picking and rolling. This yeah. got changed, man. If you're going to be the ball handler, you got to do ball handler things. Uh, and this is really holding K-State back because uh, I think he gets a little panicked in, in that moment of congestion, and he just never really raises his head and scans the floor the way you need to. Also, the passing on this team remains fairly atrocious. Not just the vision of recognizing guys, but there was a play early in the game when I can't remember who it was. Someone was passing it around the outside of the – uh, the three-point line. The defense wasn't even pressuring. Uh, 
and missed Arthur Kaluma by about two feet. And he had to reach out and try to knock the ball down. It rolled towards the half-court line. He had to go get it. This is a pass between two guys that aren't being closely defended. This is, you know, a pass you can make in practice. And he misses him by two feet. Kaluma's got to scramble to get the ball. And now the shot clock is under 10. Now they're scrambling to get a shot up. It's that kind of attention to detail that drives me crazy. And as I said in the open, they left so many opportunities. They did so many things still that don't translate to winning in the course of this game, uh, and including Coach Tang not taking some timeouts on some possessions late in the second half. Thank you, Daphne. And also late in uh, or during the overtime in which the offense was floundering, not doing it. You got a, you got a timeout right there call that timeout, reset, run a play. Because uh, honestly, when mm-hmm. Tyler gets below 10 seconds on that shot clock and the ball's in his hands, uh, once in a while, something good will happen. Something miraculous happened in the overtime with his spin off the backboard. But most of the time, it's not going to end well. It's just not. Uh, I, I'm going to lose my mind with his, I'm going to pass it to you with one second left on the shot clock routine. Dude, you got to start the offense earlier than that. And you got to hit someone that you want to make a play sooner than that. Don't dump the ball on a teammate right before the shot clock expires and give them the turnover. It's just, it's an awful habit. He's got to stop it. This is a side note. Does it bother you guys as much as it bothers me that Tyler Perry is always the one inbounding the ball on the baseline? He's the shortest guy on the court. I'm, I'm with you. And he's the best shooter in America. And half the time they're, you know, they're at three or four seconds and he's got to fling it to Kaluma in the backcourt yeah. or whoever's back there. Like it just, it doesn't make any sense to me that play. It's bugged me all year. I don't think yeah. I've ever mentioned it before to you guys, but I don't yeah. understand it. The best shooter in America should be catching those passes. Right. right. So I'm with you. Well, I get but it. There's some truth to that. I mean, setting something up for him to come off a, a screen and catch and shoot. I'm in. Uh, just like why like it just it makes no sense to me absolutely none i would agree next question i hope i'm saying this right send me a pm on the site if i am not uh bahulet baulet i don't know new new name i have not heard it welcome to the welcome to the site welcome bahulet i don't know Took our best guess. Uh-huh. Have you ever seen a player who plays so differently from the first half to the second half? No, never. No, I, I am like in the first half, and you know, maybe early second. I'm like, what is he doing on the floor? We we're talking about Tyler Perry. If you didn't follow, yes. What is he doing out there? Can I, I feel like going with Day Day and Cam might be the better solution here. I sometimes feel like RJ would be the better shooter out there, and yet. He's out there. And why is he out there? Because eventually he does what he did. And it's miraculous. There's not many people in the country that can take over a game against Kansas the way he did in overtime. Eight of 11, K-State's 11 points were him in overtime. That's why you leave him out there. But I would like to see them cut down his minutes in the first half because he is now consistently not good in the first half. And when I say not good, I don't mean just scoring or shooting. I, he's just not good. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him to be a little bit better rested as the game goes on by maybe playing some of those young guys. But 
Also, they have a lot of trust in him to do the right thing. Um, and I'll bluntly put, it exceeds my trust. I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, there's nobody that even comes to mind. Like with, with being a second half player, like I can't recall anybody that's been like this where it's just bad in the first half. And I don't care if Tyler Perry doesn't score, like that's okay. It's, it's, there's going to be games where that you're on the scouting report and you're going to go over two from the field. And that, you know, that you're going to have those games, but, Perry's not dishing out the ball. He's not getting seven assists in those first half. He's turning it over, you know, sloppiness. It's It goes beyond just not having that ability to score in the first half. So um, I agree, Fitz. I, they must see something in practice that we just don't see. Because um, if I was in charge, I mean, first, yeah, he's not going to play uh, 45 minutes in a conference game when you've got a road trip. I know it's a, a long rest, but you've got a BYU trip coming up and, um, you know, I'm giving Dorian or RJ some minutes, not all of them. Like I'm not saying bench Perry, but give, yeah. give him a rest because it, you know, his second halves are great. Imagine if he had a little bit of a fresher legs under him, he would, he, he would be even better in the, in those late game moments. Um, he wouldn't be as fatigued and all that. So it's just, it, there is no explaining it. It's very similar to the whole overtime stuff. Now, obviously you can give a reason, but it's just crazy when you look at how different Tyler Perry is in the second half. And obviously it's frustrating because you want to see that from a full 40 minutes from him. Um, but he's, I don't, I don't know if it's mental because in the second half, like, okay, you're down by two, you need a bucket, just boom, go out and make a play. And then you're starting to just kind of show the signs of playing like a point guard. Right. Whereas in the first half, I think there's a game plan you're trying to follow. Maybe there's too much on your plate mentally you know i've already missed a shot or two do i really want to take this one i do now i forced one um you know okay how was you know who's you know this game plan who you know who's the mismatch on on defense that i've got to look for and all this stuff maybe goes through his head in the first half i don't know i'm just speculating but i can tell you for a fact that in the second half of games you know late he, he turns it up and he plays and he just plays naturally and he's not thinking. I'm I'm very confident yeah. in that. The first I half, I think, is still a little bit of a mystery. That's my hunch. But later on in games, he's just going out and playing um, and doing his best at channeling his, his inner Marquise Noel. Moving to football, next question is from Common 8 Do you think that we will see K-State use Avery Johnson ultra-conservatively in the run game like we saw during the Pop-Tarts Bowl? Uh, not that conservative, but they're not going to yeah. run him. 20 times by nope. choice. Maybe there'll be games where Daphne, that is working right now. Um, what did Daphne do? She's just pawing at me. Got to yeah. have that attention. Um, maybe there's going to be times when, you know, he's flush from the pocket or the coverage is so good. He's got to run it more often, but from designed run plays, they're, they're going to be cautious. Uh, the, the quarterback room is still a, a work in progress as deep as it was last year. It's not that deep. I mean, you got the veteran walk-on from Washburn. Excuse me, his name's escaping me. Uh, you've got a high school freshman coming in who's uber-talented, but also coming off a really bad injury. Uh, and you're going to have, you know, Jacob Knuth will be the backup. He's got to make a lot of progress. He's got to be available. He's got to be not a huge step down and find his way to help this offense that doesn't try to be Avery Johnson. You're not going to be Avery Johnson. I mean, when someone comes in for Patrick Mahomes, they got to do their thing. Yeah, you just got to do your own thing. 
Uh, and then they're going to have a preferred walk-on in this class to get to five in that room. But, well, that's, you know, just having the athletic ability of a Jake Rubley in that room and the athleticism or the arm strength of an Adrian Laura, that's gone. It's gone now. And so they're going to have to keep him healthy, but they also, they got to win games. And he, you can't, you can't just ignore an incredible weapon like Avery Johnson carrying the ball if you want to win games. Uh, it's going to be a balance all year long, trying to keep him healthy and upright. It's going to be a test. He's got to he's got to get some more muscle mass on him uh, to to survive some of the wear and tear he's going to have to go through in Big Twelve as a starter. Am I remembering this correctly? That someone said when uh, I don't know if you guys are watching on TV, but Avery Johnson came over to the sideline once, and Chris Kleiman just yelled "run" at him. And he's face lit up and smiled. And I think he went on to go score that touchdown. I think that's the type of runs you're going to see Avery Johnson have. I think he's going to have the freedom to do what he feels comfortable with. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to draw plays up. I don't think that they are, you know, going to say you're going to run this down the middle every single time or, you know, whatever. But I think that Avery Johnson is going to have the license to do as he pleases on the football field, whether that's, you know, option, RPO you know, just running it himself. You know, I think he's going to, I think he's going to dictate how much he runs. I don't think that um, any protection outside of play calling, you know, I think what, what the coaches call from design plays is what is going to protect him from, you know, the injuries or being conservative. I don't think that Avery is going to be restricted, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. K-State's got a history of quarterback power. That's that's been a staple in this playbook from Bill Snyder uh, to Colin Klein calling the plays. It's it's probably not going to be very common. They'll run it once in a while, but again, he's got a rebuild offensive line, so we don't know if quarterback power would work the same without a a BB out there. Let's be blunt about it. Running the football against uh, NC State in the Pop Tarts Bowl with with Avery just doesn't give you you don't benefit much from it you everybody knows that avery johnson's a good runner right and you don't want to risk injury and you know with it being sort of like an extra game in you know that that first game of next season so to speak you want to find out some stuff about other players and so you know for me personally i didn't look into into that really at all just because you are everybody knows that avery johnson is a very good you know athlete and he can run the football um, and it's not like those are certain plays that take a hundred reps or practice in a bowl game or, you know, live game experience to run. I mean, you know, we talked about how the Perry second half, just go out and play. I think it's very easy for Avery Johnson, no matter what the play call is, if it's a running play, it's going to be pretty dang easy and it's going to be pretty cut and dry what he's supposed to do. Right. So yeah. I don't look into much of, of this with, with the pop tarts bowl. Good. Okay. Last question of the podcast from El Camino Cat. Going into spring football, which position group do you feel the best about and which group gives you the most concern? People love asking this question, man. We always get this one, I know. don't we? Heading into Evergreen. week three. Yeah. Heading into <laughs> June. Um, but no, this is really valid for right now. <clears throat> Probably oddly feel best about a linebacker. Uh, I mean, that's... You've got Austin Moore back. You've got the young guys that, you know, have showed such great potential. Des Purnell. I mean, you've got some really nice pieces there. Uh, and probably most worrisome, uh, it continues to be receiver until I see something. Uh, and some elements of the fullback tight end, the H-back version, 
you know, having Ben Sennett, who can block so well out of the backfield as a tight end, it's going to be great for him in the NFL. Losing him is not great because someone has to replicate that as they've kind of phased out the fullback spot. Uh, and there's a lot of young tight ends maybe that can step up and be that guy. I don't know. It's it, that, that part of the offense, the power part of the offense, uh, and also trying to get the ball downfield. Uh, if there's one thing to say about my lesson from last season is I thought Keegan Johnson would be the Keegan Johnson we saw towards the season's end. Throughout the year, it wouldn't, it didn't work that way. So, guys, I got to see it to believe it at receiver. I just need it. Mr. Cephas, I loved talking to you the other day uh, at a press conference. Uh, great young man. Let's see it translate to the field. They need it. I actually feel pretty good about wide receiver. Chase Brown, Keegan Johnson, Jaden Jackson, Dante Cephas. There's four guys right there. Trey Spivey. I mean, I still got to see it. Sure, that's fine on on a couple of those guys, but I feel pretty good about the room that they have for the first time in probably maybe Chris Kleiman's tenure here at K State. You're like, you know? I feel good about Jace Brown. I do. I feel good with the weapons they have at wide receiver, at least for the moment. You know, it's um, definitely not the place that I'm worried. I'd probably be most worried about offensive line, just from attrition. Just you have to replace pretty much everybody on that line. Yeah, you got a couple of holdovers like Hadley Panzer, but you know, you've you've got to figure out what you're going to do with that offensive line and that's the biggest question mark for me. You know, they could be a bunch of five-star recruits, you know, whole roster full of top 24/7 guys. I still want to see it kind of like you say about the wide receivers. They need to figure out that offensive line and and it needs to get going pretty early in the season if they're going to have good success. Yeah. I like what both of you guys said with the wideouts. Like, Zach, I agree. I feel pretty dang good about who they've got there. Uh, Fitz, I agree as well, though, that you just – you got you got to see it. You know, we, mm-hmm. we've we ne- – you know, K-State's never had, ever since Chris Kleiman took over, a group that we can 100% say is reliable, that we're not going to have to really worry about their play, right? There's never been um, a group, a collective group, where you can say, okay, you know, they're going to handle business, right? As far as I think Fitz, you nailed it on the head with the linebackers. I think that that group certainly has the lowest, or excuse me, the highest floor of any. You know, Des Purnell and Austin Moore, you know what you're getting there. Two guys that have been able to stay healthy at Kansas State. I think that that's certainly maybe not like going to be the best group, or I don't know if I feel the absolute best about them, but I know they're not going to disappoint. They're not going to be a group that loses K-State's games this season. Let me add that I'm not feeling great about the offensive line in terms of what they'll be like in the spring, but the spring doesn't matter. Um, in fact, I'm kind of happy that they get the spring to you know, beat up those guys, get after those guys, challenge those guys. Uh, Connor Riley mentioned some new leaders emerging. Well, let's test that leadership. Put them through a little stress in the spring. I'm going to feel okay about him probably as game one approaches. Uh, but I look at Carver Willis maybe as an example. It's going to take a little while. But do they have a little while to survive in a essentially a 10-game Big 12 schedule with a road game at Tulane to challenge you too? Uh, and, uh, but, yeah, going into spring, I, come on, guys. I, I need to see the, the development at receiver, and I need to hear people say to tell me, they look good. They're not screwing it up. They're being efficient. Uh, you know, they're, they're creating plays. 
sometimes the play call creates the opportunity mm -hmm. and sometimes the receiver creates the opportunity great coverage i'm going to get back here and you know make myself available to avery and that's uh again i can't i'm not comparing avery to patrick mahomes i'm just the role you can see the same thing with the chiefs he used to have receivers that made themselves much more available when plays broke down than the group he's got now um and if those guys can really you know come up with that play where it's Third and 15, we're covered. They know we're passing, uh, but I'm going to flow this way with Avery and make myself available. I'll feel a lot better about it. Is that it, boys? That's it. And that's it for the Power Cat Podcast. The dogs were, were interesting. Dude's been sleeping the entire time, and Daphne's been demanding love. Don't we all demand love? We love you. We're the Power Cat Podcast. So a few uh, housekeeping items here. Uh, we do have 60% off right now, short time, at Go Power Cat. Uh, because it is signing day, right? It's, it's signing. When's day. this going up? Um, right now? Uh, you know, it's going up in the morning. Isn't well, it? it's dead. Never mind. Nope. Never mind. Sorry. Uh, go check out our specials. They're always popping up. They come and go. Uh, make sure you're subscribing to Go Power Cat. Make sure you're subscribing to this YouTube channel or the podcast provider of your choice. Uh, we've removed the podcast feed, the audio feed from our YouTube channel. We tried it. It screwed everything up. I, YouTube's got to work on that. Uh, it was a mess. Uh, so now you got to go back to your podcast providers if you want the audio. And um, also, there was one other thing, but my mind doesn't well, work that way. Gills, do you remember what I was going to say? What? You didn't know what it was. No red golf apparel? Is that no, what you wanted you know, to say? I, I would. This is beautiful, but that that's the daily delivery. Okay. Uh, 10% off <laughs> at Mailrig. M-A-E-L-R-E-G. 10% off. Life of it. Hold 10%. Go to the fridge. Go to the fridge. Yeah, go get you some at the fridge. Make sure you do that. Uh, and if he's working, go see Ryan Gilbert. Make fun of him. Say Fitz said hello. That's it for the What podcast. did your mom tell you, Fitz? Said to be nice to you. Damn it. I'm sorry. This has been a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. Please support this show by subscribing to this YouTube channel or follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.